Thanks for tuning in to the HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney. The HR Uprising is focused on helping forward-thinking people professionals deliver real lasting value in their organisations. I'm a chartered psychologist, speaker and trainer, and recently authored the best-selling business book, How to Be a Change Superhero. My day job is founder and CEO of software and training business Actus. This gives me the opportunity to work with other businesses like yours. We are focused on building a better workplace for people wherever they are located with the help of our performance, learning and talent management software and our training and consultancy services. Every week on the podcast, I will be covering different topics and challenges, joined by relevant experts and real-life people professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy and get value from this week's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast. And this week, it's a bit of an unusual angle on the topic of gender equality in that I'm talking to Ian Dinwiddie of Inspiring Dads. And we're going to discuss today why supporting new dads at work is actually a route to gender equality, which some might think is not, you know, a little bit um, out there. We might not necessarily have thought that, that was the way forward. So, Ian, thank you for joining the HR Uprising podcast. Um, would you like to introduce yourself a bit and, and actually tell us a little bit more about that premise and where it came from? Yeah, of course, Lucinda. Thank you very much for inviting me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so my name's Ian Dinwiddie. I'm the founder of a business called Inspired Dads, and we help stress dads to balance work and fatherhood. And ultimately, on an individual basis with dads, it's looking to help them to understand how to be a great dad without sacrificing a great career. But actually, a lot of that starts with businesses and how we interact with dads at work, especially around new dads. And that parental transition is really, really tricky for for all parents, I think, in many ways. But for dads, we maybe don't spend as much time thinking about possibly what they need and also ultimately how that's a route to bigger and broader things that we can do, more exciting things we can do with gender equality. I mean, from my, you know, my personal perspective, uh, then I'm a, I'm a father of two. My daughter was uh, born in 2010, and uh, I've got, also got a nine-year-old son as well. And when, when Freya was born in 2010, then I, I was working as a management consultant, and then I went four days a week. And uh, during, you know, the, during the, I guess the first six months of, of Freya's life, and then Lisa, she had fully paid maternity leave, and then I had I had two weeks of statutory, and and then she she stopped work altogether, and we had about a month of sorry, I stopped work altogether. I mean, she did definitely did not stop work altogether. She went back to work. I stopped all together and I became a full-time stay-at-home dad. And I juggled, and I struggled with some of the pressures on a, on a kind of slightly different um, kind of level that I currently work with individual men. But I struggle with pressures around identity and looking after children and being in a world that perhaps I wasn't that well equipped to deal with. So, yeah, originally Inspiring Dad started from my own experience, although at the time I don't think I really knew it, Lucinda. So it's interesting, actually, because I think my husband actually ended up uh, being a stay at home father when we had our second child. So it's I guess it's something there where um, you two must have had a conversation about um, the partnership of bringing up both parties and agreed that it was better for both of you for whatever reason that Lisa went back to work as it was in my case. Um, And I suppose is that the angle you're saying that actually in order to to promote gender equality, it should be just as easy for men to stay at home. We should enable men to stay at home without 
um, stigma uh, and also with more support? Is that kind of the angle you're coming from? Yeah, I think so. I think it's very easy in when you first become parents to slip into kind of gender stereotyping. There's a lot of expectation, certainly in uh, heterosexual relationships, that there's a role. There's this, we, we still see sort of roles in this quite binary nature of, you know, traditionally a woman had those caring responsibilities, men had breadwinning responsibilities. I think it's much more complex than that on, on, on simply on a practical level, I think, because, you know, the, the majority of, majority of couples in some way are both working and so working at what that looks like and what works for you as a couple and in a relationship is really really important and yeah Lisa and I had conversations and it ended up being quite a pragmatic decision really it wasn't I, I can't stand here I can't sort of sit here and say 12 years ago I I knew I would be working as coach with new dads and it was all all sort of mapped out for me I was working away from home as a management consultant Lisa works as a lawyer long hours and without sort of parental support around grandparents are in the Channel Islands and in Somerset and we had to think quite carefully about how we would look after children not just in the immediate kind of the first six months but what it would look look like longer term so I think that's a conversation that sometimes men aren't necessarily driving or aren't thinking about it as as much as their partners are but it's really important to have that conversation and actually for us as a couple then it made more sense that I would um, I would take a step back but largely on financial basis I guess first and foremost and I think a lot of relationships it is driven by by finances and ultimately I could work on a part-time basis as a consultant and I could see that see how that could work but we couldn't see how that would work in the law industry and so um, that was kind of how we how we started and how we approached it but ultimately like you say Lucinda it's about having those conversations having them early and being and, and having everything on the table I think. So given that this is in the context of a work and HR listening to this I suppose did you have any repercussions in your employment or when you're working with dads and who are maybe not everyone can afford to drop one salary either initially so maybe both are having to work but the dad's doing more of the parenting than might traditionally be the case what's your sort of recommendation for businesses as to how they can be more supportive of people because I because I think actually a lot of time it, it is actually quite you know it's very obvious if if the wife is if the woman is pregnant they're pregnant they go on maternity leave it's she's visibly pregnant it's very easy to forget completely that a man is about to have uh, you know become a parent and so it could be totally ignored and your t- two weeks parental leave is neither here nor there right in yeah. terms of recognizing it so what would you say businesses could do to be more alert to this I think there's a lot to be said like you say about that kind of visibility the map b1 form that there's a lot of the um, conversations about maternity leave and um, that just doesn't exist for men so like you say but men I've, I've been in a business where men were were taking two weeks of fully paid leave and the HR team were kind of like and I, I posed the question well, how, how many dads do you have and how would you know and like well actually we might not because mm-hmm. there is no mechanism their, their manager might just be like okay take the two weeks come back and we may not be tracking it we've got no way of knowing so I think first and foremost in terms of when we think about a broader equality piece, those businesses that have who are sort of stand out are ones where they've taken all of their 
parental leave policies or adoption leave, the same-sex leave, you know, same-sex policies, um, you know, bereavement policies. I've often put it all together and said, actually, we need an overarching policy that covers all of these aspects, especially when you talk about adoption, especially when you, businesses sometimes get themselves in a tangle, as I just have as well with language, um, a tangle in terms of primary and secondary parent. And how can you, how can you, you have a birth parent and a non-birth parent, they get themselves tangled up. But actually, if you as a business can say, however you become a parent, um, then you are entitled to the same amount of leave. It does an enormous, um, creates an enormous benefit for the business in terms of culturally how we see the role of men and women within that business. Because we can no longer say, maybe in the recruitment process, we can no longer say actually individuals, a man and a woman, both equally well qualified. If we can't tell which of these two high performers are likely to want to take extended leave when they become a parent, if they become a parent, and that big F is, you know, we can't discriminate against women who are going to become you know, parents. If we can't discriminate against anyone, because everyone's going to take leave, everyone maybe wants to work flexibly, and we change the culture. And so businesses that have embraced that have really, first and foremost, they've equalised how they see parents. And in many ways, what they've done is actually they've looked at their, uh, their paternity leave policies and they said, actually, we're, because we're giving a lot less, we're basically signaling that men are not expected to take on child caring responsibilities. And when we do that, we create this two-tier system, both in those individual businesses, but also at home and for, the, and for those within those relationships who say that men aren't supposed to be caring. You know, we don't, we don't offer that. And therefore these assumptions, the cultural assumptions, you know, they exist already in within society and we maintain them within that workplace. So that's the really big thing that businesses can, can do. Can I ask a really basic conversation, a basic question here? Because there's been some changes legally, haven't there, that, that companies are able to allow people to share. Is that, is that mm. what is the current legal position? But does yeah. that, is, are, are, is that, is that the case that the government has said that you can share maternity or uh, you know, parental leave yeah. between two adults? I have to say, of, I, uh, it confuses me how you actually administer or manage that uh, as an employer and otherwise. I don't know if you can tell us anything on that because I've never really understood how you do that. But you're saying really that then if you need to align your policies in an organisation to say that we support shared parental leave. It, you know, it does, does every business have to do it at the moment? Yeah, so shared parental leave is a policy that came in around about, I think it's 2015. It was a Lib Dem policy as part of the coalition government. And what it does is it allows... Um, a birth mother to transfer some of her leave to her partner and how that works can be remarkably complicated and it's one of the reasons why it's not well it, you know the uptake is fairly low the, you know the traditional model of, of um, shared parental leave is that a, a woman will transfer it to her male partner and that's that's the model and actually the uptake around that is somewhere around between two and six percent of eligible men actually take that up and some of the challenges are that because it's optional for a business, for a man working in a business who maybe don't see that as important, even though it's a legal right, him optionally taking leave that he doesn't have to take and taking it away from his partner. Not, not, every, not every mother was going to want to give her leave um, for a variety of reasons. Um, and, and not every man's going to feel comfortable taking leave that he doesn't have to take. Mm -hmm. And so you have this call. And so that's a challenge. Also, because of um, because of the nature of when it's often taken, it's usually it's statutory is how it's how it's built within the um, within the legislation, I believe. 
a lot of businesses do, do enhance it, but it becomes quite complicated. And so, you know, where where the likes of Aviva, for instance, as kind of forerunners, a lot of this conversation, but there's a lot of other companies as well who who do more. They they enhance the pay for it. So you might have a situation where actually a mother may have may only have statutory leave, and the dad can take the SPL, the shared parental leave, at full pay. And so it makes perfect sense financially for that couple to then transfer the leave, the period of leave, from a financial point of view, to the man. But a lot of this. It is, it's remarkably complicated. It's not ring-fenced, it's optional, and it's transferable. So it doesn't really drive the behaviours. The big behaviour that it has driven from a corporate perspective is that when that legislation came in, it, it opened the eyes to policymakers within businesses to say, actually, we can go, that's the minimum. If we want to stand out as a business, we're going to add on to that. And so initially they're adding on and enhancing shared parental leave. Then they're saying, actually, this is ridiculous. We've got maternity leave, paternity leave. We've got shared parental leave. We've got adoption leave. We've got all these elements of leave. Why don't we just put them all together and we just treat parents the same? So it is complicated. Uh, I have... You know, I've come across men who've who've done it. Just like it can be really difficult. You've got to really want to do it. But how You've do you do really it though? Is to... it through HMRC or through the, does it does my company have to talk to my husband's company or how do they do it? The the in so the man the man in the business would apply for shared parental leave from his own from his own business, I believe, and right. then it gets allocated across. I think that's how it works. But you've asked me a question, Lucinda, that I don't know the answer yeah. to. I kind of, what I see is I tend to work with the men who who take that extended leave. So and what they do with it, yeah. Yeah, and so businesses, I'll, I'll get a message saying, we've got a, we've got a car, you know, we've, we've got a coachee for you. He's taken, he's, he's taken 16 weeks of leave in two separate, two separate bundles, and he's entitled to this much coaching. Here are his details. So these are men who are, who men, you know, I often work with men who are, have already gone through that thought process and are thinking about actually this is a really good opportunity. So that's where you're kind of going into this enhanced benefit. So if we're thinking really, we're talking about employer brand, we're talking about um, supporting women in the workplace as well. So actually, if you're a very high predomination of women, it makes, makes sense, sense to provide shared parental leave more easily maybe um, than, than other organisations might be more motivated. It's a really weird, I think it's a really weird one because it's uh it is good about equality, so it makes a really great statement about about you as a business. Um, but I can imagine it almost takes people by surprise if somebody suddenly someone they didn't even realise was about to be a father wants to take extended leave. So it's a bit of a, a, a something to get their heads around, isn't it? So maybe being more upfront about it. So from a business point of view, can we be more upfront about it? Can yeah. we promote this? And, and actually see it, show it as a real step, a differentiator, because many businesses yeah. are not good at this, but um, yeah. we're open to it uh, because we believe in gender equality. And this is a way in which we can do that by enabling men. So whether or not our business benefits, because the likelihood of in my business, any man that takes shared parental leave is actually going to benefit a different business. So it's quite altruistic. Yes. Yes, uh, <laughs> overall, it's a message about gender equality. So yeah, I get, I, I get that, I get that. And hopefully what goes around comes around if we do more of mm. it. And then I think your point then going here. So the other ways in which altruistic businesses are maybe then supporting, you know, not only have I allowed you to take shared parental leave, I'm prepared to invest in you as a coach to give you uh, a coach to support you in getting the best out of it. Well, I guess this is going in sort of corporate responsibility. It's about well-being, maybe loyalty yes. and engagement so people come back. Um, is it what would what, what's this about? What, what's in it for the business here yeah. before we go into how you help people? 
Yeah, in terms of the end of it, for coaching support so it, it's about it's about seeing it first and foremost i think in it starts off being about equality within the offer so if we mm -hmm. if we're supporting you know the typical model for uh, maternity return to work coaching also any kind of long-term return to work coaching is often about uh is about a session sort of before you return sessions shortly after or but possibly if you if you know it's planned if it's planned leave before you go away you know, on, on leave and then afterwards and maybe and one up just after you, you know, just before you come back and one afterwards that kind of model and so by and so businesses are starting to recognize actually the pressures that uh, the pressures in terms of the transition and coming back into the workplace after a period of extended leave are very similar regardless of how you go on leave. And so as we're as businesses offer more and more extended leave, there's more and more men from a paternity perspective who are taking that leave and therefore it starts off from an equality point of view. There is a lot about men's mental health which is, I think, supporting men per, in and on of its own isn't as, you know, as significant in many ways, but increasing awareness that the men's mental health piece is something that needs more care and attention. Um, as we kind of see that, you know, men, men struggle to kind of process, you know, process and, and struggle with mental health more generally. Um, so there is that, there is that well-being angle. Um, and it, yeah, it completely, it changes your perspective of, of roles and responsibilities within the business. And it's, um, I was struck by a conversation I had a couple of years ago when I went into a business that my wife used to work at, Lisa, and to do a talk about why men's work life, my men's work life balance mattered to everyone, uh, which is quite a provocative topic because um, it's not, you know, it's not usually an angle. Um, and this was pre-pandemic as well. So it was kind of like this is a little bit left field. But the lady who got me involved in it used to work with Lisa very closely. She said, when I first met Lisa, I didn't think she had kids because I didn't think a mum could do this job. She said, I realised for me as a young woman how damaging that, that belief would be. If I held that belief, who else held that belief? Probably everyone. And therefore, we start to see being a mum as some kind or, or even not sure someone who might become a mum or doesn't want to become a mum. We see that individual as in some way sort of less capable, less committed to the business. And if we can flip that around, we have men who are taking their leave, being loud, saying, actually, I've had this amazing time on my extended, you know, my extended um, shared parental leave or whatever mechanism it is. And now I'm going to change my work pattern so that I can be more involved. And I can pick the kids up and I, this is what I want to do. And actually we change it. And then other men are going, oh, actually, that would be really good for me to do as well. And suddenly it becomes this, this kind of groundswell of, um, you know this movement culture change and really isn't it but by people standing up and demanding it yeah. which, which in turn will make it more I can see how I mean it's interesting as a woman you kind of go why does it take the men to do it to make it happen but I think that is then generating the equality because I actually and, and I think to a certain extent the pandemic has done that as well where suddenly mm. we've not had to pretend that we don't have children and animals and, and commitments and we've all been able to perform you know, while having those things and juggling those things. So why not allow us to do that? I think people are not prepared to compromise that. But so then going back in that, here's an, one I'm wondering about, just going the other side though, I suppose. When you're coaching men, one of the things that um, I remember experiencing myself, and I think it's quite common in returning mothers, is that you get a little bit of a sense of confidence loss 
because you've been out of the work. I don't think it's to do with the fact, well, I don't know what the cause is actually. It could be to do with the fact you've had a bit of a, a role change and you've become this mother and now you're not quite sure what you are when you come into the workplace. Or it could just be that it's an extended period of time away from the workplace. I mean, do you notice that in, in men? Yeah, sort of. Sort of is the answer. So it's not about confidence. So men don't present. Uh, I, I work with uh, maternity coaches as well. And we, we talk about this side of things quite a lot in terms of how we support new parents. So I, 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 have, a, um, I have a course called the uh, New Dads Accelerator. And my course content is, is subtly different because we don't talk about confidence. We talk about quite practical things. But actually, it's, it's about the time out of the office. So for men who take it, for many take some extended leave, it's about it's about their credibility. So they're thinking about the credibility. Actually, they're doing a lot of the, a lot of the work I end up doing with men is the sort of thing I used to do with management consultancy um, individuals, managers, where we'd, we'd plot out the stakeholders. We'd plot out, actually, if we've got a finite amount of time and actually we don't want to be in the office all the time, which we used to be, you know, the, the traditional way of doing it was I just work hard, I just redouble my efforts. But actually, and a lot of men will do that, and they become new dads of like, well, I've got to work harder, I need to provide. That kind of narrative is really, really strong. But also, actually, if I if I want to stick to my hours and I want to be more present at home, um, and you know, and I want to keep you know, I want to keep these sort of flexible working arrangements that I've got, what is it that's that's key to me being seen as success success as work? So it's getting it is for men, it's about being practical about getting really efficient with how to deliver without. And I guess that would be very similar that it would be for a female audience because limited amount of time, I can't just add time on the end because I don't, A, I don't want to, and I can't really, you know, that sort of something that's often associated with women returning to work. And more men are saying, actually, I don't want to be working all the hours just to make up for, for you know, how I want to progress and all the rest of it. How do I, how do I get really efficient? How do I, how am I seen as really, really effective at work? So it's not a confidence thing. It's more about a personal, I would say personal effectiveness would be, I mean, I remember thinking, yeah, I remember I had quite a few when I was heading up training department, I had quite a few part time females they were at the time because it's going back a bit. And I remember thinking that they were the most efficient or most effective people because they had to they there was no compromise. They needed to get to the nursery pickup. Um, And so they had to be very, very efficient. They weren't chatting around the coffee machine. They were just cracking on with it. Um, But I always thought the imposter complex was probably a bit stronger as well in the initial stages of going back to work. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, I'm sure guys feel it, but maybe they just don't admit it. They <laughs> don't a little bit, but not occasionally. But it's not that it's 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 not about that, actually. No. I thought no. it would be a little bit more when I first started working with with that, those guys. But I think going back to your earlier point, Lucinda, about it, it's a shame that we have to we have to have men doing things differently in order to reap some of the benefits for, for women and I think it's it's a shame that we're in that position but the reality is that actually you know you, we, we get gender equality at work when we also when we have gender equality at home yeah. and I think that's a bigger that's a that's another part of the conversation in many ways yes and I guess I suppose just briefly on that one that's an interesting one isn't it so there was a, there were statistics going through the pandemic that women picked up when when both parties were at home that women picked up more of the workload in terms of the non-work workload in terms of the family workload again this is choice as much as anything else I guess yeah um and, and you know the whole sort of mental load the, the life admin stuff mm. what's what's your take on that yeah the, I, I think the stats are pretty clear that women picked up more of the slack but men did a lot more than they'd previously done 
Um, so there's a kind of positive story in there, but I guess the, the biggest positive story is for a lot of men who were previously office-based, who perhaps weren't involved in the domestic activity during the week, they were they were back late, or perhaps they were just at the weekend, their weekend parenting. Mm-hmm. They've realized actually perhaps they were disconnected from their, their families, in particular their children. They're, they're much, men tend to report being much more interested in the connection with their children and with their partners, afraid to say. Um, the, the stat, I think the stats suggest that happy medium somewhere yeah um they they did a lot more childcare, but they weren't doing what we might call second shift domestic activity so they were being connected with their kids but actually in many ways that's a route into bigger and better things because men report increased satisfaction increased connection with their kids and they want more of it and that's what the that's what the data shows uh, and when and also, I think in many ways, actually, if you catch and we, we know that if you catch men at the start of their parental journey and where they can have solo leave looking after their children, that's the thing that really drives equality at home because men get to they get to be on their own. They get to make their mistakes. They get to they get to set some of those domestic agendas about how we do things, how we do the washing. How do we you know, how do we stack the dishwasher? Things like this that men actually who don't get the opportunity to be domestic goddesses for want of a better word um they feel that they they feel like they're being told off and so and actually if you can get it right right at the start and get some equality and you get some you you share that domestic activity and childcare as well and then that's really positive and i think the covid points to a desire for men who traditionally have thought actually working from home that's what slackers do that's what women do you know it's a really bad narrative for my business if I want to work from home. Now, much more likely, much more connected, much, the opportunities are there for for better domestic harmony, I think. Yeah, I mean, it gives you much more a chance to be flexible and fit other things around things, which I suppose arguably being stereotypical, although there's some some evidence that brains work differently, maybe that is something that lends itself more to women in terms of they they will do multiple things at at once. But I I do see that women are also culpable for, taking over in the workplace, not letting the men choose the food. You know, I think myself doing, being a bit of a control freak in certain areas about making sure we've got the food in or what we're going to have for dinner or things like that. However, so it's like any any good team or partnership thinking of that home life and going, but who's who's better at folding and doing the washing? My husband is much better. He complains about mine, although he does occasionally doesn't differentiate the whites, of course. And I'm sure that and most blokes would say they're better at loading the dishwasher because that's a spatial thing. But I'll probably have loads of complaints about this episode mm. being very stereotypical. Um, <laughs> there's um, a reason why. Uh, there's a reason why they're stereotypes, though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. They, and they build and they build on top of each other. We yeah. follow, yeah, we, we often follow the narrative that we saw our own parents um, mm. creating for us. Absolutely. Or some things we enjoy more and less. And, and actually, yeah. if you can play to your own strengths and, and that works out, right, that's great. But the key is yeah. making sure there's a balance in terms of the work yeah. and it's shared out and, and not being, and I suppose not not restricting this. Your, your point about um, allowing men to have that time on their own with babies at the start, I think is really important because I can think of friends of mine where uh, the, the mother-in-law's come down and taken over and the blokes just have nothing to do with the newborn baby for example and they're scared of it and they don't know how to yeah. change nappy or whatever you know so yeah. you really have got to get in and, and get on with it to build that confidence in the first place otherwise you can't then turn around and say oh well he doesn't ever do anything with them when you never let them in the first place so yeah. and there's and there's some psychological background behind that Lucinda there's um there's something called the uh, um I've completely forgotten what it is now <laughs> 
We'll come back to you. I'm sure. Don't worry. Come don't back worry, to we'll, it. It'll come back yeah. to me. We'll, we'll come back. If not, we'll put it on the show notes. But it, 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 so, so you're talking about the different balance between partnerships. Is that what you're saying? The difference. Um, yeah, it's a it's a protective, it's a nurturing aspect, and actually, it's hormonal as much as anything. Is that the mother wants to protect protect their baby, um, and and that can be and that can feel like the man doesn't have a role to play, or is sort of is you know excluded from that process. Uh, it's called maternal gatekeeping. Well done. And it has popped into my head. Well done. <laughs> so maternal, oh, maternal yeah. gatekeeping. Yeah. yeah, maternal gatekeeping. Yeah. And it's one of the things I discuss within the New Dads Accelerator. And I said, you, you know, guys, you need to understand that this is the thing. And this is why if you if you leave it, it's you're gonna get this, you're gonna get this division of labor between what you're allowed to do and and how you're allowed to do it. But actually, you need to kind of keep keep plugging away at this because actually it's it's not helpful it's helpful and from a protective point of view and it's quite I guess it's quite sort of primitive in many ways um, sort of primitive human um, human evolutionary aspect of it but actually from a sort of a modern society then the more you can be seen as a safe pair of hands and and and, and ultimately make mistakes you know, yeah. you've got to make your own mistakes and learn yeah. from them and that's how we that's how we improve things I think metaphor for life and, and work as well so I suppose just wrapping up here there's we've, we've covered quite a lot actually in the amount of time here so the the real key of this is your your premise is that the real root to gender equality is actually um enabling men to to take take their share of parental leave that would be a, a quite a forward thinking maybe try and get more than what is it two to six percent you said actually get yeah. to actually take up on it so from a business point of view from an HR point of view maybe that's a policy worth revisiting how could we do more of it it feels altruistic but basically in terms of paying it forward it could be incredibly constructive uh, and it's a very strong message as well to other people in the business when they're able to to take it yeah. um You've also talked a bit, perhaps just to, to close on, um, do you want to talk a little bit about the course you do? So the sort of support that you're offering and you've mentioned a course and also a webinar you've got. Haven't you? Yeah. Yes, there's a few different angles. So in terms of the webinar, it's a um, it's 30 minutes. We talk about why um, supporting new dads at work is the route to gender equality. I put the the just to get people's attention. Um, and, it, and it's about explaining why, put it, you know, supporting dads, what the pressure precious men face and therefore by supporting them how do we actually improve gender equality within the workplace and and at home as well and how do those interact there's lots of uh, lots of data within that um, and then and that's uh, yeah, if you go to my website inspiringdads.co.uk it's forward slash webinar um, so there's a big red button in the top corner I'm doing those uh, I'm running a second one in a couple of days time but there'll be there'll be regular ones so is that up. just something you'll run as an open webinar that companies can sign yes. up to or individuals can sign up to so they can yeah, individuals can sign up yeah. to that one it's okay. a it's a sample a, a sample of the sort of things that I think are important to bear yeah. in mind and then in terms of I do one-to-one coaching with with new dads in particular around that around extended parental leave um, but it can be with anyone I mean dads struggle whether they're taking you know we're taking 16 weeks of leave or whether they're taking two weeks it's a particularly challenging time and in fact almost more challenging if you've only got a couple of weeks yeah. and you haven't really processed you know those early challenges and then the new dads accelerator we look to get between six and 12 men together I call them first year fathers so we, we've had men who have you know who are on their third child revisiting some of those aspects that are important around identity and purpose and we get men together get men together virtually we get new, um, prospective dads you know ones who are expecting and we get them together to talk about sort of key um, aspects over a five-week course um, it's really powerful really powerful when you get men yeah, together and actually talk because women tend to do that more naturally don't they anyway so actually facilitating that's quite 
quite key. And that, I suppose, men could sign up to anyway. They don't have to get that through work, do they? That's something you could choose yeah, to. Yeah, it's something, it's something that will be will be going live in terms of need, need to have enough people in the pipeline to uh, yeah. to make it worthwhile. Because one, one-to-one coaching, obviously, is easy just to do on a one-to-one basis. But something like a group coaching, you need to have between six and 12 men ready to go. Maybe, not maybe people can sign up. Maybe maybe there's people yeah. in the position here who might nominate mm. their other halves. Okay, exactly. fantastic. So we've got it's ww uh, sorry, HR pressing d- inspiring dads. <laughs> dot co. Dot co. Yeah. yeah. And everything will you I presume we can get obviously we can get the webinar, you say you can sign up to that on there, but details if you want to register interest in your um accelerator or any of the other yeah. programs, so you can get details there. Fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant. Ian, lovely to speak to you. Thank you so much for joining us on the HR Uprising podcast. Thank you for having me, Lucinda. I really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable. If you did, perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice. It really helps new listeners to find us. Now you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com. Further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising, to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to The HR Uprising podcast.